Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. We're still talking about the parables, and we're talking about uh, the, the parable of the, of the four soils. And, and many of you know the story, and many of you have read it before. But we've been going over it the last few weeks, and, and I want us to just kind of hone in on a few more things tonight of what I believe the Lord is, is wanting us to just look at tonight. And if you'll allow me just a moment, I want to remind you of the first two keys that we were talking about just the last couple of weeks. Number one, we know this, is we know that the sower is who? Who's the sower in the parable of the four soils? Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the sower, amen, and Jesus sowed the kingdom of God wherever he went, right? Jesus, wherever he was, no matter where he went, if he was out in the marketplace, if he was by the seashore, you know, if he was, you know, in the temple, Jesus was revealing and releasing the kingdom of God wherever he went, amen? He was sowing the word of the kingdom, amen? He was sowing the seed, and so that's the second thing that we learn is that the seed is the kingdom. That's what Jesus went out to sow. Jesus didn't go out to sow like a religion. He didn't go out to sow, you know, some kind of, you know, following. He wasn't really in it for that in that sense. He was going out to reveal the kingdom of God to those who did not know him. Amen. To those who, who had not met the king of glory. If you remember the, the, the uh, Israelite people, the people of God had been waiting for several hundred years into this point. And they had been waiting for a promised Messiah. Amen. And Jesus comes and he begins to reveal who he is. He begins to reveal that he is the son of God. Amen. But many people didn't believe him. Many people doubted. Many people, you know, were, were skeptical. They didn't really realize that Jesus was the Son of God. And so we find that Jesus, after a period of time, he begins to, you know, there's miracles that begin to flow from his life. And we know that Jesus, for the first 30 years of his life, it was literally his preparation for three and a half years of ministry. And I'll just take time to just say that. If you're thinking about jumping into ministry... You should probably spend more time preparing to get there than you do of just jumping in. Amen? There should be more time spent with the Lord, more time being taught by the Lord, more time, you know, in the presence of God and learning from the word of God before you just jump in. Because listen, anybody can step into ministry and anybody can fill a position and anybody can, you know, you know sit behind a camera or, or, or you know, welcome somebody. But I believe the Lord wants us first to have the right postured heart as we go into ministry to serve. If Jesus didn't have the right heart, then he would have been bombarded by the chaos that would soon follow. Because as you, as you know and you've read in your Bibles, you realize that there was thousands upon thousands of people that began to gather around Jesus. Thousands upon thousands of people that began to call upon him, that began to demand from him, that began to desire him and de began to desire the very thing that he had been releasing, which was the kingdom of God. Many people were in need of healing. Many people were in need of the word. Many people were demonically possessed and they were needing this touch from heaven. They were needing this touch from the son of God. And so I can imagine that the, the great demand that was placed upon the life of Jesus was so much that it would probably cause any single one of us to go crazy. I've been a pastor now for uh, 18 years or so, something like that. And, and I can tell you that, you know, at times going through different things and, and ministering to different people, even I too get a little crazy. Because there's a high demand that people place on your life. What does that look like? It means that there's a high demand for you to walk in character, integrity. But there's a high demand of people that need of your life, and there's a balance that needs to take place. Jesus was so awesome because Jesus learned this in the secret place, and he learned how to manage the affairs of, of the people and manage the affairs of the kingdom by spending time with his father each and every day. And I'll say this. You cannot spend enough time with your heavenly father. Amen. 
I don't care if you came to the prayer service last night for an hour or if, or if you bowed your knees for an hour or ten minutes today. You can spend more time with the Lord. Amen? Amen. We have things and agendas and, and affairs that we have to take care of in our life and in our walk with God. And guess what? We can still give him more time. We can still offer him more of our time. Why is that important? Because at the end of the day, if we have not spent time with the Lord in private, we will miss out on the public ministry that God has for us and the purpose that he has for us in this kingdom. How many of you are saved? Raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Look at all these saved people, Lord. <laughs> You're not raising it in front of me. You're raising it in front of the Lord. Lord, look at all these saved people, Lord, and look at all of the workers that you have for your kingdom, Jesus. Look at all of the people, Lord, the servants of God that you have commissioned and appointed to sow your kingdom back into the world. And Lord, I pray that they spend more time with you than they do on Facebook. And Lord, I pray that they spend more time with you than they do talking about their brother and sister in Christ. And Lord, I pray that they spend more time, Lord, being about your business than they are about their own. Amen. Amen. The Lord sowed the seed of the kingdom wherever he went. And that meant that there was an abundance of seed. And I have to just reiterate this just for you just for a second. Because you know that when you spend time in the secret place with God and then you come out of that secret place, you are full of the kingdom of God. And those that you pray for, they'll be healed. Those demons that you speak to, they'll be cast out. But listen, some of you don't have power following your life because you haven't spent time in his presence. And you pray for a demon to get off a person. And guess what? There's no power there because you've never spent time with the Lord. The power comes from spending time with the Father. No other way. So if you've ever been discouraged when you've gone out to minister about the kingdom of God and nothing happened, spend more time with God. I'll share a quick testimony with you and then I'll, I'll get on with this. Went to Oklahoma and there was a man that had desired to see. He's like in his 80s. He had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he wanted to see, physically see. He had lost his sight, I think, many, many years before. And I'm going to tell you a story because the testimony is not one of those wonderful endings. The first night that we go to this meeting that I'm there to minister at, uh, my, my friend who invited me was the, the minister that got to preach. And the next thing you know, this, this gentleman, he comes forward and he wants to see. Talk about a demand. <laughs> Amen. Talk about a demand. You know, that, it's kind of like, you know, there's some miracles that are kind of hard to prove. You know, somebody says they got a headache and it went away. And, you know, you just believe them, right? But I couldn't see your headache. But an individual that has a, a physical blindness is, is this would be a... a a physical miracle. And I remember we get to this meeting and, and, and I had been praying for this man for a few days before and, and I believe that he had faith in everything and everything and, and at the end of the day there is that perfect recipe where faith has to, to meet the word, right? And if there is no faith present, the, the miracle won't happen. But I believe the man had faith. So we go and we pray for this man and we're praying over his life and I see the power of the Holy Spirit begin to touch him, and he begins to speak in tongues. Amen? And he had been desiring this gift, and he had been desiring to be filled with the Lord. But after we finished praying, he still did not see. And I'll be 100% honest with you. I went home back to the hotel that night, and, and uh, my wife knows she, she was there. And I went home, and I was so disappointed. For him. I so wanted this man to see. I so desired that his eyes would be opened to the glory of God's name. And instead of saying, you know what, I'm never going to pray for somebody that's blind again. 
I spent that entire evening, I, I literally laid awake in, 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 my, in the hotel bed and I had my headphones on and I was worshiping Jesus and I was just asking the Father, I said, Lord, just, just allow this to happen. And I spent all night fasting for him. The next day, or that evening, I didn't eat dinner. The next day, I didn't eat a meal and I just stayed fasting for him and that man didn't come back to the meeting. Now, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand something. The equation is never wrong on God's end. God desires to heal. Somebody say amen. The Lord desires to heal, but maybe the vessel wasn't prepared. And I came home and I was a little discouraged. You know, I was still blessed. There was many things that God did there. But I came home and I said, Lord, I need to spend more time with you. I need to spend more time with you, God, so that through your grace, Lord, your miracle working power, God, would be released to this man's life and that he might see to the glory of your name. But did you know something, church? When you go out to sow the seeds of the kingdom, they never run out. Every time you go to the Father and you commune with the Father, you still have a possession with you that you are able to give out. That means every day you can talk to somebody about Jesus. You can pray for people that need Jesus. You can pray for people that need healing. And guess what? The Lord is still going to pour, and he's still going to pour, and he's still going to pour. Why? Because the kingdom of God is endless, and it's of unlimited supply. Amen. The kingdom of God is endless, and it's of unlimited supply. That means it will never run out. So when you go back to that place, that secret place, and you pray before your father and say, Father, endow my life with power, God, just like the resurrection power that raised you from the dead, then, God, I am trusting and believing, Lord, that when I pray for somebody, Lord, your power will be released. But too many people, they stop in that moment, and they don't do anything else with what's been given to their life because they get discouraged because the kingdom wasn't released. And a lot of times... My friend, the ball is in our court. How many of you know that we can pray more? Amen. So how many of you know we can pray more? Amen. And so I say this because there's an abundant harvest that the Lord is looking for in these times and this season that we are living in. And the Lord is looking for faithful servants, faithful workers, faithful people that will take his kingdom to the ends of the earth. Amen. And tonight I want to talk to you about the third element. Talked about the sower. We talked about the seed. And tonight I want to talk to you about the soil. And so here's where the parable leaves off. Jesus' point was an observation. And so some got it and some didn't. That is those who don't get it, they don't understand the, the word of the kingdom or the parables for a variety of reasons, but here's the deal. The seed goes everywhere it is sent. I'll say that one more time. The seed of the word of God, of the kingdom of God, goes everywhere it is sent. And so Jesus used the run-ins that he had with the Pharisees to make a really powerful point. And that is this, in the natural world, how many of you know that soil cannot change itself? Amen. In our physical world, soil cannot change itself. It cannot move itself. It, it, it's just fixated wherever it lies, right? And this is why, and if you can understand this, this is why the sower goes out and he sows seeds of the kingdom so that they will go everywhere, so that they'll be broadcast to every nook and cranny, every single piece of soil, so that the hope is that that seed would germinate and produce fruit, right? It's, it's in hopes that this thing is actually going to produce something one day. Now, I want us to understand this. The soil in the parable, everybody raise your hand, is us. The soil is you and I. The soil is you and me. And here's the difference. Dirt can't change where it lies. But the soil of our heart can be receptive to the word. Amen? The soil of our heart can receive that which was planted in it. It can receive that which is given to it, not for its own selfish need, but for the harvest. And I want us to understand this. We are incubators. How many of you know what an incubator is? An incubator is a controlled environment. 
It's a controlled environment in which it's built to protect like an egg or a seed until it's maturity or birth. How many of you know what an incubator is now, right? And so the incubator, we are incubators of the harvest of God's kingdom. That means that we receive the seed of God's word in his kingdom in our life. And we hold that word and we receive that word and we let that word boil up and produce something so that there can be fruit of God and fruit of the spirit in our life. And so as the soil, that is the hearts of men in their flesh, they will always be inclined. The heart of your flesh will always be inclined to abort the seeds of the word. Sometimes when the word of God is preached, there's this thing that rises up inside of us that automatically puts up a defense. Not every word is easy to be received. Amen. It's like pastor said the other day, he's like, I know it's a good message when nobody's shouting me down. Because it's truth. It's coming at you hard. It's coming at you in a place in your life where it might dig down deep. It might cause you to bleed a little bit. But guess what? It's truth and it needs to be received. Amen. It's truth and it needs to be received from our life. And so here's the deal. The hearts of our flesh will always be inclined to abort the seed of the word. But we can thank God that some seeds are still birthed in our life. Amen. I love how pastors explained it before. He's like, you know what? He said, I wouldn't have a job if I came up here and preached one message and the church did it. In other words, if he preached the word and he preached the whole Bible and he said, you know what? This is what we ought to do, church. This is the plan of God. This is the purpose of God for your life. Now go and do likewise. Then guess what? He wouldn't need to come back to preach to you again. But there's an inclination in the hearts of men to automatically reject what is told to them because of pride. There's an inclination in our own heart and in our flesh to reject the truth of the word of God because our flesh sometimes wants to say no. Our flesh wars against the spirit. Our flesh is at war against the spirit. And the scripture teaches us that the hearts of men is, is defiled. The hearts of mankind is, 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 is putrid, it's horrible, it's in denial of the word. But here's the deal. We are not the sower and we are not the seed. We are not the harvest. We are the soil. And unlike a natural soil or dirt, the big difference is you can respond a different way. You can dig down deep into the chambers of your heart and you can change how you respond to what is told to you. You can hear the word and you can respond accordingly. We can be those church who further and nurture the good news of the kingdom of God. Because after the soil has accepted the seed, it grows its fruit. And guess what? It sows more seed. God wants to produce something in our life. Amen. God wants to produce something in your life for his glory and for his kingdom. John 12 and 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The thing I love about the, the fact that we're actually covering this passage of Scripture tonight is this, is Jesus actually made this very statement on this day 2,000 years ago. In the context of time in which we're at during this Holy Week, Jesus actually made this statement on this very same day. Today is Holy Wednesday, Amen. And the significance of today is very important. Today would be the day that Mary would anoint the feet of Jesus with her most expensive perfume, preparing the way for the body of Jesus to soon be buried in the tomb. And her anointing of his feet was preparation for the great anointing that would soon be released through the death of Jesus for all mankind. 
And so we know that right after the washing of Jesus' feet, he goes through the city of Bethany on Palm Sunday because soon his life would be given as an offering for mankind. And so we catch up to this verse, and I want to read it again. John 12 and 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let's just pray for the word tonight. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We, we, we bless your holy name, Jesus. And God, it's our prayer tonight, Lord, that your word would just speak to us. Lord, your word is alive and active. God, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Help us to receive the word. Lord, give us the grace, O oh God, to receive of your truth tonight. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me, Lord, your vessel, Lord. For your honor and for your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a few things that I want us to hear and that I want us to take to heart this evening that these verses offer us in John 12. The first thing that Jesus mentions is this, is he said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That word glorified is, is, a, is a longer word, but in Greek it means doxa, which actually means to be seen, to appear, to esteem glorious, and to accept. I'll read it to you one more time. It means to be seen, to appear, to esteem, that is like to lift high, glorious, and to accept, meaning receive. And so in the moments when Jesus would soon be lifted high upon the cross, when Jesus was soon to be, you know, uh, lifted high for all men to see, and he was going to fulfill the scripture, it was going to be the ultimate display of the love of God. It was an invitation, and it was God's invitation to all mankind to receive the glorified Son. When Jesus was lifted up before the world, before all men, it was literally the invitation of God that was saying, receive my son. Receive the work, receive the payment that has been made on your behalf, receive him to yourself. Because Jesus, as the son of God, became the son of man, so sons of men could become sons of God. Jesus was going to be the ultimate fulfillment of the plan of God because he died in the place of man. How many of you know that Jesus became a man just like you and me? Jesus didn't come, come down here robed in glory. He didn't come down here robed in, in his righteousness, though he deserved to be that way, amen? But he came down as a man. That's why I said the Son of God became the Son of Man. So sons of men, that's you and me, mankind could become sons of God. John 13 and 32 says this, If God is glorified in him, then God will glorify the Son in himself, and he will glorify him at once. And so the scripture is teaching us that God had an appointed time for Jesus to be lifted up. Amen. And I believe the Lord is still using men and women of God to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. To bring the son glory. To bring King Jesus that glory and that invitation to make him known till he comes. You see, it's important for us to understand, church, that, that, that the hour is still now for Jesus to be glorified. This is not a story that we're supposed to just talk about once a year. Amen? These scriptures that we're reading tonight are not just supposed to be brought up, you know, once a year and, and we celebrate the resurrection in Holy Week. But Jesus is supposed to be glorified from our life, from our body, from our being, from our strength, from our heart, from our love every single day. Every single day, every single moment that you go out into this world that you live, church, Jesus is supposed to be lifted up from your life because today is still the day of salvation. Amen. And guess what? Tomorrow is still going to be the day of salvation. And the next day is still going to be the day of salvation until he returns. Why? Because Jesus deserves all the glory. And guess what? Until he returns for his people, we have the obligation, we have the responsibility, and guess what? We have the privilege to lift high the name of Jesus. 
for all men to see. Amen. Could somebody thank him tonight? Today is still an appointed time to glorify Jesus, for him to be seen, for him to be known, and for others to esteem him, and for others to be invited to receive him into their hearts. Today is still an hour for Jesus to be glorified, church. It's still the time for him to be glorified, not on a cross. Mm. There's some people that still wear jewelry with Jesus on the cross. No, my friend. No, my friend. No, my friend. Jesus is risen. Amen. Jesus is alive. Jesus is no longer on a cross. Amen. He was on a cross, but through that death, church, through his precious death, he would make all men known to him. And can I tell you something tonight? Through the death of our will, we are supposed to make him known to all men. When we're more concerned with our will, we leave God's will behind. When we're more fascinated with what we can gain in this world, then we don't fulfill the plan of God for our life. For the scripture says, what does it profit a man to what? Gain the whole world, but yet what? Forfeit his own soul, to lose his own soul. What would it profit us? It would profit us nothing. Amen? Secondly, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. How many of you know that Jesus will always tell you the truth? Amen. Amen. Jesus ain't going to lie to you. Amen. Did you know, church, that Jesus is the truth? Amen. Did you know that? John 14 and 6. I love this verse. Jesus answered, I am the way. Say it. I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except what? Through Jesus. He is the truth. And there is no truth that is absolute outside of Jesus. I don't care what political party you affiliate yourself with. I don't care what team you like. I don't care what thing you think is true. Nothing is true as compared to Jesus. Jesus is pure, absolute, and unadulterated truth. Can somebody say amen tonight? John 1 and 14 says this, The Word became flesh and He made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace. And what? And what? And what? And truth. Did you know that God's word is the truth? Amen. This is why the enemy has launched an attack against it. God's word is still true. I need every Christian in here to believe that to their core. It's not an old letter for old times, for old people, for some past. It is still relevant, and it will be relevant long after we're gone. Because the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My word will remain forever. The word of God isn't going anywhere no matter how many people want to destroy it, tear it up, just throw it away and think that they can somehow redefine the word of God. And the reason I say that is because there is a lack of boldness in the church today. There's a lack of courage because all of a sudden you don't want to speak the truth to somebody because it might offend them. I am more worried about offending a holy and righteous God than I am offending somebody on this earth. Because the Bible says to fear the one who can send our soul into hell than to fear the hearts of men. Oh, I don't want to offend somebody. When are we going to get over this offense thing? When is the church of Christ going to actually walk in the boldness and in the power that Jesus has given us? Do you know, church, that he has delegated all authority under heaven and earth to God? And guess what? God has given you the same authority. (laughs) The same authority? To what? To bow down to snakes and serpents? To bow down to the demonic? To bow down to idolatry and idol worship? To bow down to all kinds of nasty demonic spirits in this world? No, my friend. 
Light pushes out darkness. And the light of God has come into this world. And we are responsible to carry it. The word is the truth. John 8 and 32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? How many of you are free tonight? Raise your hand. Amen. I feel like eight of you are free. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm just kidding. The truth is the only thing that will set you free. Psalms 119 verse 160 says this, All your words are true, and all your righteous laws are eternal. I'll read it one more time. All your words are true. That yes, man and woman are supposed to be married to one another, not man and man. Because I'm getting real sick of this. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm getting so sick of the church bowing down to an enemy that has crept inside the walls of our church. Crept inside the walls of the hearts of people that supposedly proclaim this to be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. I'm really tired of people cowering at the face of demons. Cowering at the face of supposition and and things that, that are coming to launch arguments against your life. You want to know why most Christians are scared and afraid of people that oppose the truth? It's because they themselves don't know it. You haven't picked up your Bible in 10 years and it's still dusty in the back of your car. And you're there thinking, you know what? Oh, yeah, that's why I'm not going to stand up to a demon. But listen, if you know the word of God, church, if you know the word of God, if you know the king of glory, if you know who it is that has called your name, then guess what? You will be appointed. You'll be ready. When anybody comes to refute that word, you're going to know exactly what to say. Everybody say, Lord, Help me read my Bible. It's the truth. Did you know, church, that there's a spiritual attack that's been launched against the truth? There's a demonic attack that's been launched by the principalities of Satan to destroy men and women who have been created by God, to know God, and to be purposed for God's kingdom and God's plan. We see this so much in our world today, church. This looks like redefining. This looks like redefining our laws to suit an evil agenda. Some of us as Christians, you know, we take one verse and we make it our doctrine. What do I mean by that? Oh, be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. But what happened to flipping over a table in the temple? Sometimes it's necessary Sometimes it's necessary to shake somebody with the truth of the word of God and say, this is still the truth. I read that scripture this morning and it just reminded me, 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? A spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind or self-control. That doesn't sound like a weak spirit. That doesn't sound like a spirit that's willing to just, you know, be pushed back at any little. But that sounds like a spirit that is able to place anything that opposes the word of God under its feet. It sounds like a spirit that is more powerful than any spirit that's ever been released in this world. Because our God is more powerful. The redefining of gender to suit a lifestyle? Are you kidding me? Do we have to go back to the basics of our Bible to read in the first book of the Bible in Genesis that God created man and woman? And that man should leave his father and mother and be married to a a woman. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Why am I saying this? Because you need to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you will be live and you will be hung and you will be stuck in bondage your whole life. 
You'll be stuck in bondage and you'll be in a place where you have found yourself. You say, you know what? I am living this unfulfilled, unsatisfying, unvictorious life in Jesus. I come to God and I come to church and I, and I listen every week. And guess what? I don't feel God. I don't know God. God's never set me free. And guess what? It's going to be this mundane thing that goes on over and over and over. Listen to my friend. We need to receive the truth. And we need the truth now more than ever because guess what? The truth and the truth alone is what sets us free. This looks like redefining of what's good and what's righteous. And the scripture says, woe to those who call what? Come on, somebody. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who say that these things that we see rising up in our nation are okay. And say, oh, that's good. That's fine. Yeah, let's keep doing that. Come on, somebody. How many of you believe the word? Yes. How many of you know that the world needs Jesus? Yes. Yes. And guess what? They still need Jesus, and they still need you to tell about him. They still need you and I to release him. Psalms 94 verse 20 says this, can a corrupt throne be allied with you? A throne that brings on misery by its decrees. The wicked band together against the righteous and they condemn the innocent to death. This is exactly what they did to Jesus. Do you know that Jesus was traded in for a criminal? Jesus was perfect and holy and righteous. He was the only sinless one that has ever walked upon the face of this earth. But yet they traded him in for a criminal. They exchanged him for somebody that was lost, somebody that was destitute, somebody that deserved to die. Do you know that every single one of us was Barabbas? Do you know that every single one of us was, was just like Barabbas who was given in exchange for Jesus? We were going to be the very same people that were going to shout crucify him. The moments when Jesus rode with that donkey into the city of Bethany and everybody was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Those very same people were shouting, crucify him just a week later. The world is saying, crucify Christians. The world is saying, crucify Jesus. Crucify the truth. Put it to death. Titus 1 and 13 says this. This saying is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and they will pay no attention to Jewish myths or merely to human commands of those who, what? Reject the truth. Verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe that nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their conscience are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they Deny him. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. See, the rejection of truth is this. The, the rejection of truth is rejection toward God himself. Did you know that? The rejection of truth is a rejection towards God himself. The denial of truth is the denial of God and Christ himself. Why am I mentioning all this? Because unless the church holds fast... To the word of God. Unless you hold fast to the promises of God. The truth of the holy word of God. The truth of the name of Jesus. The world will never see the power of the redemptive blood of Jesus. Unless we hold on to this thing. Because right now there's churches and there's ministers and there's pastors and there's peoples. That are compromising the truth just so they can have somebody sit in a chair in their ministry and in their house. Amen. There's ministers and there's preachers saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to hang up a rainbow flag in front of my church because that's going to be acceptable to people. Amen. And if we compromise what has been entrusted and guarded to us, the world will never see 
the redemptive blood of Jesus. If we ourselves are denying the truth of Christ in this world, the church and all mankind will stay in bondage without freedom, without liberty, without healing, and without the forgiveness of sin. Because guess what, my friends? It's only through the truth that we will be set free from the grips of Satan, from hell, and from death. Only through the truth. But guess what? Aren't you thankful that you have a loving God and you have a merciful God? You have a God that loves you enough to tell you the truth? I love that scripture that says this. It says, some discipline, some discipline. How many of you have ever been disciplined? Raise your hand. Discipline's not an easy thing to receive in the moment. It never is. If your parents ever had to discipline you, if you're... If you've ever had to discipline your child, you know, it's, 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 it's a challenging thing for many people. But guess what? God loves those he disciplines. God loves those that he speaks the truth to. God's never stopped loving us even when the truth comes and even when the truth hurts, even when the truth stings just a little bit. But guess what? The Lord wants to liberate us through his truth. Amen. The next thing that Jesus mentioned was this. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, the life of Jesus would not have had the same impact. It wouldn't have had the same, you know, offering for atonement unless he died. Because then Jesus would just be like any other person that came to this earth to do a good work. Jesus would just be like any other religious, you know, you know idol or, or person because guess what? They, nobody died for sins. They would just be nice. You know, they'd just be you know, like you know, a good person. But the difference between Jesus and everyone else is that he became the sin offering for you and I through his death. The sin offering, the, the penalty he paid through his blood because guess what? We had no payment enough. We didn't have enough payment. We didn't have enough, uh, you know, stewardship. We didn't have enough serving God. We didn't have enough loving God. We didn't have enough anything to offer God to pay for our sins. His death was the ultimate sign of God's love for this world. Romans chapter 5 and verse 7 says this, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. It's as though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Christ died for us. Without the death of Christ, the new life that was to be born would have never happened. Think about that. Without the death of Jesus, the new life that was supposed to spring forth because of his life being an offering, it would have never happened. Jesus said, if that seed of wheat falls to the ground, it only remains one seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, this is the power of the seed. This is the power of the seed when it is received by the soil. When it is cultivated, it will spring forth with a great harvest. When the word of God is offered to you and it is given and the kingdom of God is released over your life, it is meant and it is sent to produce a great harvest in your life. It is sent as, a, as an offering to transform your life. It's sent to, 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 to transform you, to change you, to, be, to cause you to be, bear the fruit of Jesus and of, of Jesus and who you are. The death of Christ should never be in vain. Think about that. The death of Jesus should never be in vain. Why? I can tell you that a lot of times the church often makes it seem this way because of our own fruitless deeds. There's times that we make it seem as though Jesus died in vain because guess what? We bear not the fruit of Jesus. We tell nobody about him. We're not loving we're not joyful, we're not patient, we're not kind. And sometimes we're more concerned with our lives and our kingdom when Jesus said to seek first his kingdom. Jesus said in Luke 14 and 27, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Some of you might be thinking, well, it doesn't say to die. Well, what do you think carrying your cross means? <laughs> what do you think carrying your cross means? Think about that just for a second. It means that you pick it up every single day. You labor with it. You carry it. And it will take you to a place of daily death. It will take you to a place of daily death to yourself. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Paul speaking, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. He said, and I no longer live. But Christ lives where? In me. He says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He said, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. And if Christ died for nothing, church, then we might as well give up and go home. <laughs> but I believe he died for something. Amen? I believe that he died, that his purpose in this world would be fulfilled. I believe that he died in such a powerful way that he died for someone. Amen? I believe that Jesus didn't die for nothing, but he died for you, church. He died for me. He died to crucify the sins of this world to the cross so that through Christ we might be made holy and acceptable to God. How many of you are thankful for the death of Jesus? Amen. When we receive Christ, our life bears his fruit. Amen? I'll say it one more time. When we receive Christ, our life bears his fruit. Our life displays his goodness and his spirit through the fruit of God. How many of you know the fruits of the spirit? Amen? Amen. The first one is love. See, the reason Jesus died is so the love of God that people must know and prove that we are his disciples. When we bear that fruit in this world, then guess what? People will see and know that we are a disciple of Jesus. The joy of God becomes your strength. Amen? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? The forbearance of God is to receive the forgiveness of sin. The kindness of God is, is meant to lead you to repentance. The goodness of God that leads to the tasting of the kingdom where he said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. The faithfulness of God proves that he is trustworthy. The gentleness of his spirit that leads us subtly. And guess what? The self-control to crucify the desires of the flesh. The word must do its work in your life. Receive it. Because unless that fruit that I just listed is on display for all of the world to see, that people will never know and they'll never follow and they'll never want to give their life to this holy and perfect God. But when the church loves God's people the way that God loves them, people will step into redemption. When the church releases the peace of God to the chaotic situations and the chaotic things that we experience in this world, the people will see God. When the church shows forbearance, that is, that is showing grace and mercy over people's lives, even after they've sinned against you, the people will see God. They'll understand and they'll know that you are not living for yourself, but you are living for the King of glory and for the King of kings. Matthew 13 and 23 says, The one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man that hears the word and understands it. And he produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. It's up to us to receive the word to receive what God has planted in our life. Jesus himself said, he who has ears, let him hear. Our kingdom's purpose is not one that's supposed to be shallow or self-centered or selfish, but our kingdom's purpose is to go and do likewise. It's to live as Jesus lived, to share as he shared, and to love as he has loved. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and then we'll pray. 
It says this, for this reason, since the day that we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. I just want to stop right there. This is every pastor's prayer. This is every pastor's prayer for the people that he leads, for the people that he shares truth with. He said, since the day we heard of you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In verse 10, he says this, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Worthy of the Lord, and you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and in growing in the knowledge of God. One thing I would love to see for Rock of Ages and for the people of God here is that they never stop growing in the Lord. That they'd have a continual hunger to be, to meet with Jesus face to face and say, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, I break my will and I bend my will to submit to yours, Lord. Because it's not about me, Jesus. If Christ truly lives in us, then there's no room for us to be alive. If Christ truly lives in your heart and in your life, then guess what? There's no room for you to be alive. Listen, you need to die to self. And every single day that we've committed to follow Jesus, where we say, Lord, I will take up my cross and I will follow you. Lord, I will carry this cross, Lord, unto death to self. Every day, God, that I might crucify the desires of the flesh, Lord, so that I might be holy and pleasing, Lord, and I would follow your spirit, Jesus. This is what you have called me to do, Lord, so that I might live a life worthy to you. A life worthy to you that I might please you in every way. How many of you want to please the Lord? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.